Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by Laura and Danny from the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen to, and if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We would love to hear your answers, so head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the questions today. Right now, though, we're about to join Leanne Perro, multi-award winning entrepreneur, motivational speaker, author, model and breast cancer survivor, as she steps out of her front door in East Dulwich. Just before we start, Leanne does cover some content that some listeners may find distressing. So I'm Leanne Perro. I'm 37 years old. I'm an entrepreneur from uh, South London. I grew up in Peckham and I now live in East Dulwich, uh, which is just down the road from Peckham. Uh, I am the founder of the Movement Factory Dance Company, which I founded 21 years ago at the age of 15. And I also founded the Leanne Perro Foundation, which houses the award-winning uh, project, uh, Black Women Rising Cancer Support um, Programme. And uh, I founded that four years ago after my battle with breast cancer at the age of 30. So yeah, I'm a speaker. I have written a book. Um, and I'm just a general advocate for my community, um, meeting my community's needs and building communities so that we're stronger, um, you know, working together and, and creating more happiness in people's lives. So question one, what gets you out on a walk? I'll be honest and say, like, when I need to take a break, that's what gets me out on a walk. Um, just feeling, uh, like, feelings of, like, anxiety or depression. Last year, I actually went through such bad burnout. And um, yeah, it was just really, really tough for me. And what really helped ease up a lot of my anxiety when I felt a little bit stronger, sorry, I'm going up a hill, oh my God, <laughs> uh, was um, walking. I didn't really understand the power of what walking can do until that. So that was really important for me. Question two, where's your dream walk? Okay, so the walk I'm doing now is my dream walk. It's behind my flat in East Dulwich in London. Um, there's like a little secret park. Um, and that's why I'm so out of breath because you have to go up hills. Oh my God. But, um, and I certainly don't talk while I go up this hill, but... It's just, I, I go on a trail and it's weird because before I lived where I lived, I used to drive up to Dulwich and do this walk anyway. So the fact I now live on the walk is, um, I think, a testament of sometimes 
you know, what you put out into the universe, you kind of get back because I have the walk on my doorstep now. So, and it takes me two minutes to start going on the trail of the walk. Um, question three, when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Um, so f- first thing is I do walking. Um, my main thing I do is I do acupuncture on a weekly basis. As mentioned before, I, last year, I kept burning out. I could see all the signs of me burning out and I ignored them and pretended as if, you know, I was okay and I'd take like a couple days off here and a couple days off there. And one day in my busiest time of year, it hit me and I was so unwell. My hair had started to fall out. I couldn't eat. I literally had no appetite. And I honestly felt um, really low. I've never felt that low before. And um, I thought I'd gone through depression. I'd been through so many things in my life beforehand that I thought I knew what depression was. And it was until I had that burnout I didn't realise how bad depression can be. I, I was in a black hole. And that's what I like to say to people. I felt darkness. I've never felt that intense of depression before. And honestly, I just didn't want to be here. And obviously now through my research, what I realised was, is that burnout, this is what it does to people when you overwork and overexert yourself. And... If, if you see this view that I'm looking at, guys, it's insane. So this is the view that I get to. This is the view that I crave for um, when I'm out on my walk. <laughs> As I said, it's just a nightmare getting up this bloody hill. But here we go. I'm here. <laughs> and I'm going to stop for a moment just to take it in. But I'll be honest. This is um, the acupuncture has completely changed my life. Um, it's made me feel more balanced. I also have long COVID, so I actually haven't had my sense of taste and smell for over 18 months now. And um, I used to have aches and pains in my joints um, and it was very debilitating. And um, basically acupunctures helped with all of that. Another thing that happened when I had burnout was that um, my period stopped for four months. And it's so crazy because you go to the doctors and they say, oh, well, you're in the perimenopause, you know, especially because I've had cancer as well. So it's like you're, always perimen- you're in the perimenopause, you know, uh, all this sort of stuff. And actually, no, my body just needed to get back into balance. And that has enabled me to have my periods back again, which has been amazing for me because, you know, that's all about hormones and how you feel every day. So all of these things needed to be done. Um so yeah acupuncture walking um I would say chilling just chilling at my house my lovely flat with my lovely cat um Milo um and just having just that chill time where I can stay in bed watch television back to you know watch Netflix it was weird because there was a time when I was growing up obviously I've been in business for 21 years and there was a time I was growing up and I actually thought that it was a bad thing to watch TV. You know, I used to be like, oh, no, I don't have time to watch TV. I used to think that that was a good thing. 
no, I use TV as a way to um, make me de-stress from my work and take me away from, you know, the, the day-to-day to-do lists that are never-ending. So, yeah, um, I would say definitely watching TV, chilling and, uh, you know, socialising. Like, socialising has been, like, a massive part of my life for a long time. I'm a really social being. Um but as I've got older, you know, I've been, I'm also comfortable in my own company as well, you know, um, and understanding that also social events can become quite consuming as well. Because when I looked at why I was burnt out, actually around that time, I also had a lot of social events at the same time. It was back to back. I was barely getting a day to myself. So I think that's important to kind of note as well. Um, I think I've answered number four in my own way, but what does switching off look like to you? Is it important to disconnect? Is that a wrong way to think about it? How selfish are you to be in your life? What rituals do you use to switch off? I would say for me, one of the things that I've realized is that I, I, I've grew up, and I think it's a reflection on the way that I was brought up, um, that guilt has been something that governed my life for a really long time. You know, um, and when I mean guilt, I mean just that feeling of needing to prove yourself or, you know, we grew up with, you know, pennies. We were poor um, and I can safely say that. And, you know, so when I became like an earner at a really young age, you know, it could be stuff like oh, have, thinking that I had to take care of my family and thinking that, you know, that, uh, you know, I can't buy this for myself. And you've got that kind of guilt. But then you've also got the emotional guilt. You know, um, both of my parents, they weren't perfect parents, you know, as we already know anyway, at at this age, that our parents are human beings. But actually, when you're younger, you forget that. You think your parents are super beings. And the things that I went through at a really young age, um, which, uh, so I was sexually abused from the age of 10 to 13. And at 13, when I decided to disclose what this family friend was doing, I wasn't believed, you know, um, and I moved out of my family home. And I think from that age and how I had to rebuild relationships with my whole family again, including my parents, um, there was a lot of guilt attached to that because obviously I thought, oh, you know, I must be the bad egg or the bad seed out of the family, you know, and I grew up with a lot of guilt and shame. And I think what I've had to do as an adult is do so much unlearning about how I was brought up or the things I was led to believe. You know, I'm a massive believer now at 37, you know, our parents did the best they could with what they had. And that is the honest truth, you know, and that's, I, I'm, I hands on really, really believe that. I think that parents are human um, and they're not perfect people and they did their best with what they had, whether it was right or wrong. Um, and what I say is I, I stand really firm on that and take the responsibility now as, a, as an adult that I have to unlearn. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years, because I've been in therapy since 27 years old, um, is that I'm now spending the time, the money, the resources I have to unlearn so much of what they taught me, which I now know is wrong. Um, so my, my big thing... Um, is, uh, you know, whatever I decide to do for myself is not selfish. And those are the things that govern, I think, my day-to-day is, is that reminder to myself that the things I choose to, to do are not selfish and to, um, 
you know, not feel guilty for putting myself first. And that was too much. That was such a massive challenge. And again, I'll go back to the burnout, you know, that I had this time last year. It was around that as well, you know, like I, I was so unwell. But when I looked at why I'd got to that stage, because you do sit there after a while and go, how did I get here? These were huge things involved with that, you know, so... It was around feeling guilty, feeling like I had to help everybody. And again, you looked at these things and you look back to the childhood and you go, oh, okay, look, I can see the pattern now. You know, people pleasing is, is my thing. So how do I, how do I work on this? Why, what am I afraid of doing when I withdraw my giving to people that are so used to getting the most out of me? And I think thinking and changing that perception is a thing that needs to be exercised. I'm still working on it. But most of all, I am um, definitely changing that way of thinking has changed my life. When was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different and how did it go? Um, I think my thing is that I challenge myself to do different things all the time. I have been pioneering and what I realise I've been pioneering, ignore that part, but um, from a young age when I moved out of the family home and I realised that I was alone, I knew I had to grow up really, really quickly. So from the age of 15, my favourite word became yes. I was going to take opportunities, I was going to build a life for myself that obviously um, my parents hadn't given me and I realised that I could become and be whatever I wanted to be. So I started teaching dance and I always say that dance saved my whole life because it gave me a purpose. It was something whilst I was going through this really difficult time, it was something that I had to focus on. So from there, at 15, my favourite word became yes, because I was like, I'm going to take all the opportunities that give. Let's let's make this happen. The motivation in me kicked in. I'll be honest with you, I don't know where that came from. I, I always look back and say it was a gift because things for me, considering what I'd gone through, could have turned out another way. Um, so I think... I look back now and I think I don't know where that motivation came from, but I am so thankful for that gift and that push. You know, um, I believe in God that God gave me, you know, to to really push myself out of. Do you know what? Like breaking like complete toxic cycles that were embedded in my family um, and, and breaking the norm. So at 15, when I became a business owner um, and I started running my own program from there, coming out of my comfort zone has been a regular thing whether it be speaking on stage, uh, whether it is, um, you know, hosting something, whether it is talking in front of the camera, um, I, I've had to do it. And obviously, as we know, I went through breast cancer at 30 years old. Um, and in the last six years, I've dedicated my life to use my experience working in communities through dance to build my charitable um, programme. And the charitable program, um, you know, is called the Leanne Perra Foundation. But my biggest project is called Black Women Rising. So that's what people uh, probably uh, will recognise um, me with. But in that program, um, in, uh, underneath that program, 
you know, I, uh, the charity has been up and running for four years and it requires me to do a lot of spokeswomen work. You know, I have to speak so much about the organisation and share my story on huge platforms. And so recently um, I won an award for my work um, and it was via uh, a lovely charity um, called Future Dreams. And um, they gave me one of the one of two humanitarian awards this year, which is such an honor. And uh, I had to get up on stage and do a speech. And I had written a speech, a very heartfelt one, but also a very honest one about the depths of my work and, and all the things that I do. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was really scared and I couldn't even eat the night before or I couldn't even enjoy the dinner that they served. And it was at the Savoy Hotel and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so nervous. And then um, obviously that I, I got this amazing um, reaction from it. So that was something that was really out of my comfort zone. Um, I want to try something different, you know, and, and I think cancer's also taught me that as well. Like life is too short. I definitely think cancer, you know, I'll be honest with people. I would never take back my diagnosis for anyone because or for anything, because that has taught me the real essence of life. I find it really hard um, to have certain conversations with people um, now because I won't waste my time with people who are ungrateful for life. You know, there's so much to be grateful for. I, 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 gratitude is, is my thing, you know? And honestly, it is, it's definitely something that's completely changed my life in terms of how I see my life now. So, yeah. I would say that is something that I would try different. Um, number six, so who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Um, I thought about this question long and hard. Um, and I and I said to myself, I had to be really, really honest here, and I had to say I don't have an example of that in my in my life. Um, I think it's very difficult to find people online to relate to because I believe that a lot of us that are on, on, on all these platforms and social media platforms don't always tell the truth. And we're always showed the best. You know, I, I'm, I'll be honest and say, you know, I've put up posts before smiling and, and laughing and, and behind closed doors whilst I'm posting it, I'm in tears. And I think that is a reflection on what, what we've done. Everyone puts their best foot forward. And sometimes when people don't, it could be looking like you're trying to get the sympathy vote. So I don't think we've got a, a clear picture of who's being genuine and who's not on social media. So I wouldn't say there's anyone on there that I look up to for, you know, someone who's got the balance right. Um, but what I would say is I take things from different people. Um, and the biggest people that I go to for well-being advice are my two mentors, um, Danka and Debbie and uh, they are just so they are holistic I call them the holistic queens um, they're women that are in their 60s and 70s um, and in the last sort of seven years I would say they've completely transformed my life holistically in regards to the um, uh, just just alternative medicines herbs life you know, this sort of thing. And um, it's just completely transformed the way I see stuff. So when I was going through cancer and taking, you know, chemo and things like that, 
I led such a holistic life at the same time. And as a result, I had a great journey through chemo. I was very well. My blood results were always really good. I never missed a chemo. You know, there was lots of great things out of it. And again, these are skills and things that I've transferred into my, into my life. Um, what's one recent win that you're happy with? Um, so I would say um, in my charity uh, in October, which is our busiest time of year, there was a number of wins that we had that was fantastic. Um, for example, we got given a grant of £100,000 um, from Macmillan Cancer uh, Trust, which is life changing because that allows me now to employ some staff, which will relieve a lot of the duties that I was doing um, and focus on other things in the charity and obviously be able to take some time off as well, healthy time off. And uh, we also got given £58,000 from one of our supporting organisations that I work with every year, and that is Lounge Underwear. And... Uh, you know, that was a lovely, beautiful donation from their campaigning that they've done this year. And uh, just that money is just life changing for us. But also the two awards that I won on the same day, which was the Humanitarian Award from Future Dreams. And then I also won a Women of the Year Award for Health Inequality. So that was, for me, the these are the biggest wins that I'm so proud of and so thankful for. Um, so, yeah. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned this year? Um, <laughs> I love this question because, you know, I think in my life I have learned so much. I've just learned so much in my life. And every year is a chance to learn and do things differently. I already recited uh, probably a, a couple of years ago that... Um, yeah, it was a couple of years ago when I felt like I was at a brick wall with my therapy and I changed therapists. And um, I realised that this journey that I'm on, um, with all the unlearning and all the self-discovery, is actually a journey for life. And I know that might be common knowledge to a lot of people, but actually a lot of people believe, oh, if I do these sessions for a couple of weeks, I'm fixed. And actually it's not like that. It's, there's a journey, particularly if you've been through trauma, especially childhood trauma. You know, there's so much unlearning and so much inner child work that needs to be done. And that's one of the things that I'm really, really committed to doing. And what I've really realized this year um, is the, the need to advocate for yourself and be your own, um, be, be your own cheerleader, you know, and be comfortable in your own um, skin. You know, like, as a 37-year-old woman, I don't have children. Um, I am single. And, you know, I've been in relationships and things like that. And I would say definitely the relationships broke down for lots of reasons, but um, different reasons. But one of the things that I can take really huge responsibility on is, particularly in my, my most recent years, uh, is believing that going into a relationship is going to make me happy or that person is going to make me happy. Therefore, putting expectations that were unrealistic on that person because those expectations I should have for myself. And I think that was the biggest lesson I learned this year slash last year 
going through the um, burnout was that actually I can't rely on expect anything from anyone but myself. At 37 years old also, I'm at that time where a lot of my friends that got into relationships and um, marriages in their 20s, they're having a real hard time during their 30s now, their late 30s. Um, and also seeing people cling on to things not for the reason of wanting to, but because they feel they have to and how much that's diminished their character and diminished how they feel about themselves has been really, really hard for me to watch. Um, so I do, I, I am a massive believer that this, the, 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 the investment in self and always putting yourself and your needs first, whether that is making sure that you have uh, a night out with your friends, once a month just to get that camaraderie going, whether that is going to take yourself for a day out because you can't deal with the kids at home, you know, or having some time out to yourself, whether that means going away for weekends with your girlfriends or your partner for that special time, whether that means, you know, uh, taking yourself to the spa, going to the gym or exactly what we're doing, going on a walk here. These are the things you've got to put in place because at the end of the day, everything always comes back to you. And this is what I say to everyone, everything always comes down to you and who you are as a person. You only have to answer up to you. And I think people forget that when you start getting into relationships and you start getting into children and all these sort of things. And then that's when all this sort of baggage that you've got because you ain't putting yourself first and you're angry and you're sad and you're upset, this is where the children start picking it up. And then the vicious cycle begins that I had to break out of. Parents feeling low about themselves. Parents not yet understanding the need to have self-time, you know. Parents who are angry and arguing in the house in front of the kids all the time. And for me, I'm so observant and I've seen it and I've seen it happen in my very close immediate circle. And I've always said I didn't want that. And how do I make sure that when I'm getting into things in the future is advocating for myself and being my own cheerleader so I don't put that expectation on someone else. The person who I bring into my life will be an addition to my happiness, not make my happiness. And the more I've been feeling this and doing my affirmations every day to really like, you know, build my self-confidence and my self-worth up, I, I don't know, I feel like, I feel really empowered by that. And, and every day I feel it a lot more. And as a result, I'm dealing with a lot of things very, very differently and navigating things a lot differently. So I'm really, really thankful with that. Um, and then, um, when was the last time you cried? Uh, tears of sadness, happiness, relief, or anything else? So I am a really emotional person and a really sensitive person. I can cry at anything. I can, uh, you know, I'm just so emotional, emotionally driven. You know, it's, I've realized to people who are emotionally unavailable, it is something that is um, very uncomfortable for them. And as a person who was emotionally unavailable um, for sort of a lot of my teens and my early 20s because of what I had gone through, um, I completely understand it. But through therapy and working through things, 
I've been able to show my emotions and be able to be in touch with my emotions and understand my emotions. And it's actually something I'm really, really proud of. Um, so I cry at everything and every, anything. So when I think about my last big cry, um, I can safely say that my last big, my last cry that I done, um, it came from nowhere. And I remember I was in my kitchen I was doing my chores, unloading the dishwasher, putting the washing onto the dryer. And um, I don't know what came over me. Just a wave came over me and I cried. And I said, thank you, God, because I was felt very, very thankful for my life. I had this moment of bloody hell, I've been through a lot of stuff. Um, and I just had this feeling of like, oh, my God, you know, I made it, I'm here. So that was a huge thing for me um, to, uh, yeah, that was just a, such a huge thing for me to say. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was just a huge, amazing thing for me to, you know, to, to look at and say thank you to God. And, and, and also just that reassurance that everything's going to be all right. You know, there are times I look and I, and I might be going through stuff or battling with something in my mind. As I said, you know, this journey of mine is a, is, a, is a journey and I'm not always okay. And just saying like, God, show me a sign, you know, and looking at my core belief system and saying, you know what, everything is gonna be okay. Don't worry, you know. If I look back and had to tell my younger self advice would always be stop worrying because I am a person that worries a lot. I've naturally been like that since young, but again, trauma responses, you know? So I would definitely say, um, definitely, you know, it, that's, that's, that's why I cried. Um, what is the best advice you could give someone about happiness? Oh, do you know what? Happiness is a self thing. That is what I've learned. It is, I, I think I've touched on it before, but the happiness comes from within. I've spent so much of my life working, bloody hell, sometimes 17 hours a day. When I went through my burnout last year, I was getting two hours of sleep at night. I couldn't sleep. I was really, really gravely unwell and I was working so much to the point I had to take three months off when I got burnout. And, you know, I realised there wasn't, and it, I realised this in cancer as well, you know, like relying on others to make you happy is always going to end one way. We are all responsible for our behaviour and ourselves. There is no excuse um, to treat people badly because of life and what life has thrown at you, you know. So I, for me, I would always tell people to do the work do the work in yourself what does the work look like so I'll tell you what my work looks like every single day I have to give gratitude yeah whether it's writing it down or reciting 10 things that I'm really really thankful for every day I have to read out my affirmations you know don't get me wrong there's days I skip fair enough I'm human but I make sure I say those affirmations out loud I am worthy I am happy I am lovable you know I am well and healthy you understand these are the things that I recite to myself and oh my god at the beginning when I started doing them I felt like an idiot I was like mm, I don't really believe this stuff but it's weird with affirmations you start saying them and you start believing them and you're saying it with conviction 
You know, I love myself. I'm a beautiful person. I'm a great person. I'm a giver. I advocate for myself. I'm my biggest fan. I am successful. You know, I am an inspiration. You know, these are the things I am enough as I am. I don't need to change. These are the things that for me have changed my life um, and also have allowed me to, to set my day up to have a great day. So you've got gratitude, you've got affirmations, and then I say a prayer. And for me, those are my little rituals that I do every day to make me feel sane and to bring me back to self again. And it could start like that and then it builds, you know, but the self work is so important because that's where you're going to see real change, you know, and that's where you'll start to see um, you advocating for yourself so much more and building your confidence to know what you deserve and what you don't. What I've realised over time is that, you know, I grew up, I was really shy. I was very, very quiet. Um, and in my uh, years now, obviously because of cancer and things like that, I found my voice. But at the same time, I never regretted being quiet because one thing I always realised was that sometimes the smartest people in the room are the quietest, are the ones observing and don't feel the need to always say stuff. And I've noticed that there's a lot of people that go around, even online and things, giving it all the talk. Oh, this is what you should do and that's what you should do. And, you know, try this and try that. And it's great because everybody's trying to give advice. But actually, when you look behind these things, a lot of those people do not practice what they preach. So, like I said, there's a lot of people with a lot of things to say, but no substance. And that is, for me, the worst turn off in any human being. Um, is someone who talks way too much about how people should live their lives and judge people and do all of this and they're not even living that way. And I've, no, I've come across a lot of people like that along my journey and I have now realised so much the need that actually sometimes some things don't need to be said because they're sacred to self and it's important to work through things like that yourself. So I would say to everyone, the happiness really, really... Um, you know, comes from within. And uh, those, my advice is, is do the self-work. You know, I, I think we're living in a time like everyone needs to be in some sort of therapy, whether it's listening to podcasts like this, whether it's talking to someone or group therapy or having a journal. Like I really honestly believe that everyone needs to have their outlet to talk Remember, therapy comes in so many different forms. It doesn't mean you have to speak to one a person one-to-one. -one. It's so many different forms. And I think, especially the world that we're living in now of uncertainty, negativity, um, and it just almost seems like every single moral compass, is it doesn't exist anymore, you know, it's and, and everything that's happening with our environment and our surroundings, you know, thank God for the beautiful spaces that we do have to walk in and, and have now. But um, I think everyone needs an outlet, you know, and it's important to get that outlet. And what I'm finding is that there is, and this is through my work, but also just being so socially active with my community is the people that have those outlets and therapy and are able to express themselves are much happier people. The people that are not, regardless of their circumstances, they, they are not happy people. So that's my biggest advice that I could get. Um, 
And yeah, that concludes my answers to the questions. Um, I am going to do the introduction again, um, just so that you've got it there. And I think I'm going to come back to one more question, um, number three. So I'm going to start with number three. So when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Think about what helps you calm down and clear your mind. So there is a few things that I have to do in order for me to do my work, get out of bed and feel okay in myself. And these are quite strict things that I've put into my life after going through really awful burnout in 2021. Um, the first thing is that I make sure that every single morning, definitely not without fail, because there are some days that I have off, but I have um, morning to do gratitude, to give gratitude, say a prayer and do some affirmations, which I'll come on to a little bit later. Um, and I also make sure that I have acupuncture on a weekly basis, which I know, again, for a lot of people is expensive. But what I had to do is I had to sacrifice other things in order for me to fit this in. Uh, because what I've realised is it makes me feel balanced and manages my stress levels and helps me relax and sleep at night. Um, so that's that. And um, I go for walks and exercise because, again, that makes me feel happy and it makes me feel, um, you know, healthy as well in my body. So complete the following sentences. Being healthy is a feeling, um, you know, and, I, and I'm a massive believer that a feeling is how you feel, you know. At some of my most saddest times I have been at my target weight I have eaten healthy food somewhat um I never it's it's not an it's not an outside thing it's an inside thing um so being healthy to me is a feeling um and that comes from within and trusting the gut to tell you your intuition to tell you how you feel um, and for me, right now in my life, I feel healthy because I feel not because of necessarily the foods I'm eating. It's because it's a feeling of the work that I'm doing within myself and the outcomes of that, you know, the self-work. I'm seeing them more and more um, and making sure that I stick to all my rituals and all the things I put in place. That to me makes me feel healthy. I'm most me when... I'm around family and friends and I'm chilling out. Um, definitely like with like some of my friends where I can just chill out and just be me, really, to be honest. I am me all the time. I, I'm actually quite a sensitive being, so I wear my heart on my sleeve and it's weird. I'm glad I get to work in a job in both of my companies where actually having my heart on my sleeve actually has worked in my favour. So I would say I'm most me when I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm me all the time, I think. <laughs> I think people will say that to you. But yeah, definitely when I'm just chilling out with friends and out having a good time and a laugh, that's when I'm most me. The best thing about my walk today is that um, we've got lovely clear skies and I can see all my favourite views and... Yeah, it's just a beautiful day and it's blue skies and the sun is 
trying, yeah, the sun is out. Um, and I feel really, really good about myself. But um, yes, thank you so much for listening to me, guys. But like I said, you know, um, after all the things that I've kind of been through in my life, um, the different sets of trauma that I've been through, whether it was sexual abuse, severe depression in my 20s, um, and then, you know, obviously cancer. Uh, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that everything always is okay. And I <laughs> learned a lot from a lot of the women I've worked with and friends that I've worked with in the cancer world who have passed away. And their advice always is live your life, you know, enjoy life. Do you know how precious life is? I even remember someone saying to me, I miss the boring stuff, being bored at home, arguing about what, what food there is to eat, you know, um, lazing around on a Sunday, you know, that kind of thing where, and, and it's made me, it's transpired into me being thankful for every living moment we have on this earth. And I think, you know, the worrying for me was such a huge thing. I worried about everything. Oh, you know, the anxiety. I'm still working through it now, but just the worry, whether it had been about money, whether it's this or whether it's that, or that person not talking to me, or this or that. And I realised so much more that there was nothing I had to worry about. Even cancer, I got through it. There was nothing I had to worry about. So I really affirm that to myself every day. There is nothing to worry about, you know, and I'm really thinking about the moment, you know, because that's important that we, we have this feeling of living in the moment. You know, it's very, very important that we feel it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I would just say to people, you know, the worrying, it's, um, we're living in a really difficult time. But I think it's so important for people to know that everything always and have just that little, even if I'm, I'm that person, to, if I'm reminding someone today, you know, really and truly, we don't have anything to worry about and everything always works out okay. If your heart and your mind are in the right place, regardless of the hardships that you may endure, everything will always work out in the end. And, you know, I'm saying that and believe me, I'm, I have to take my own advice on it. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm working on it, believe me. But that feeling and, and being reminded of that really helps me through my day. So I hope that it helps you through yours. And uh, thank you for listening. Leanne sounds like she's mastered being her own cheerleader and knows what she needs to suit her mood. I loved how she said that happiness is a self thing and practices gratitude every day. If you want to feel your best self, our sponsor has a great selection of footwear and apparel to meet your needs. So before we hear from the team, let's take a moment to hear from Sketches. Here's musician and TV radio host Mylene Class for Sketches Archfit Footwear. My day-to-day -day is jam-packed, including being a full-time mum. And if you're busy like me, you can't be slowed down by uncomfortable footwear with no support. So I get all the comfort and arch support I need with Sketches Archfit Footwear. Sketches teamed up with podiatrists to create footwear with podiatrist-certified arch support for 24-7 comfort. Because if I don't get a day off, neither should my Sketches. Find Sketches Archfit Footwear for men and women everywhere.
Hi, welcome back to Walk to Wellbeing. I'm your host, Holly, plus I'm joined by Laura and Danny from the Health and Wellbeing team. How are you both? Yeah, really well, thank you. Really well, thanks. Danny, what did you make of Leanne's walk? Was there anything you're taking away from this episode? Yeah, Leanne's episode was really powerful, wasn't it? Um, She was so open and honest and willing to let her guard down, which I found really comforting. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will do too. And that kind of like leads me on really nicely to my key takeaway from Leanne. And that's how she takes kind of like small segments of inspiration from lots of different role models in her life, um, rather than just one person. Because I think... I think you'd find it hard to come across someone in your life who gets to the end of their day and who has like all facets of their life kind of like in equal balance, like scoring the perfect diet, ensuring their social batteries are topped up, getting enough sleep, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All these pillars of well-being that you feel like you need to be nailing, but when in fact that's not actually reality yeah that's so true so the fact that Leanne takes little pockets of inspiration from lots of different people shows me that she's got an amazing tribe around her Mm. how about you Laura yeah I completely agree um I thought it was really uh wise that uh Leanne looked for different qualities in different people like she wasn't you know just looking for one um role model or or one mentor like I think she mentioned she had two um really important mentors in her life um and I also loved what she said about advocating for herself as well, um, mm. not relying on others um, for her happiness or like expecting relationships to to make you happy. Um, and that's something that I've always lived by. Like I think I think my parents might have told me that. I can't remember um, where I got it from. But yeah, it's so true that you can't look to other people to um, complete you or because then you're putting that expectation on the other person. Yeah. What she said about investment in self really sort of struck a chord with me because that's something that I've not been very good at since having kids and my eldest is going to be 10 soon. So, um, yeah, I thought she's so right that you need to do those things to kind of make yourself happy as a parent. And even if that is having a day, um, you know, meeting up with friends or going out with friends in the evening or going to a spa or something like that, like you need that time to recharge and if you're not happy the kids are going to pick up on that Mm. and you know if you and your partner are arguing like obviously the kids pick up on that so it's kind of yeah it really sort of hit home that actually it's not you're you're not being selfish you can't just give and give and give all the time and not do the things that you want to do or things that lift you up how do you find um your attitude to self-care has changed since um becoming a parent holly yeah i think actually it's a really good point you've made laura because i think when you become a parent there's this preconceived idea that you need to give your whole self to that child yeah mm. and actually i don't subscribe to that <laughs> <laughs> i've got friends like that that are yeah they don't have any issue yeah i don't know what why <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> no judgment. No, no. Yeah. It's the best way to be. No, I absolutely love him, but I think I can't be my best self if I've given everything to him and then have nothing for myself at the yeah. end of the day. And I think those have been definitely my hardest days when there's there's nothing left for me at the end. So I do think that that is a really good point. That it's it's not being selfish. It's um, it it means that they get to have the best of you as well. And also Leanne saying about having different mentors and different people for for different needs as well. I think it's the same with friends as it is with partners. You can't rely on them to be everything to you. Um, so 
you might have one friend that's really good to confiding or one friend that's really good for a fun time or um I don't know someone who's like really into like activities like going on a walk um or and again like I said you, you know your partner can't be like I don't know about you guys but I, I don't uh, like the idea that when people say oh my partner's my best friend mm. because I don't think they can be like your housemate your best friend your partner and all the other bits in between like a co-parent a romantic partner and 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 you rely on them for everything so I think Leanne is right you need to have those different pockets of people to fulfill and meet all those different needs that you have um, so yeah, I really, I really find that interesting and agree with her on that. But I think for me, what I'm taking away is something that I already uh, believing that she was saying is that people are doing the best with the tools that they already have. And I think that's what you were saying, Laura. And I think maybe you're being a bit harsh on yourself about not being very good at things um, over the past 10 years. I'm not sure that's true. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when you know better then you'll do better and it's just having a bit more compassion to people that uh, I didn't actually always believe this I used to think that that couldn't possibly be true that <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that was judgment on my side being like um people should know better <laughs> <laughs> definitely but like perspective is everything though right yeah absolutely but yeah no I, gen- I genuinely think that I, d- I do believe this now that people are just doing doing the best with what they with what they know at the time maybe I'm giving myself a bit more compassion with that now <laughs> no I think that's great one of the things that Leanne said that really struck a chord with me was how much compassion she had for her parents and though she spoke about abuse in her childhood she said that her parents just simply did the best that they could at the time Mm. and that to me sounds as though she's got a lot of strength of her character in order to be able to have that compassion for her parents yes definitely absolutely I think um you need to compassion for yourself as well but yeah to have that for for your parents is is quite um evolved I think and it it reminds me of that poem um I think it's by Philip Larkin and it's called they fuck you up your mum and dad (laughs) um I know because I just googled it quickly because it it just um, made me think of it but it says um it goes they're not um, they may not mean to but they do they fill you with the faults that they had and some extra just for you and uh, like I can remember reading this poem when I was younger and it's just so true and it, it I think it is kind of what Leanne's saying it is showing that compassion it's like because then it goes on I remember and it's like it's all basically they've inherited things from their parents and so on so yeah everyone's just kind of trying to do their best aren't they I just hope I haven't fucked my own kids up too much <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we can wish for, yeah. <laughs> like for, our, for our own parenting skills. <laughs> but just like our parenting skills, health and wellness is personal for all of us. So here we're going to be digging into some areas that we're going to debunk. And in particular today, I wanted to talk to you guys about a hot topic right now, which is burnout. And do we have to wait until we're completely overwhelmed to spot the signs or can we catch it um, before we've completely burnt out? I think it, I think again, it comes back to um, that perspective, doesn't it? Because I suppose when you're in it, you really can't see beyond, you know, outside of 
the headspace that you're in at that time. Absolutely. And interestingly, so Census Wide launched a new study during International Stress Awareness Week, which I think was um, a few a few weeks back. Um, and it actually found that 61% of women have felt very stressed or burnt out in that month. And I think we all know what it feels like to be stressed, you know, whether that's from work or um, home or family life. But what I've learned is that there are different degrees of stress and burnout. So there could be quick fixes for someone in the moment. And in Leanne's case, she seemed really aware that it was sort of now or never for her to take a break from mm. it all. But now looking back, she's a, she's able to recognise when she gets stressed and is able to lean on those steps and routine that she has in place to keep her grounded. And I think that's really, that's really inspirational. Yeah. And I think something else that I felt particularly inspired by when she was talking was when she said that there's there's no excuse for um speak or treating people badly or speaking to people badly if even if you're going through a really tough time and and I just thought that was a big thing to say because I think I know how I feel when I'm stressed and I don't know if you guys are the same um but you can definitely take it out on the people closest to you when you're when you're feeling the pressure (laughs) hands up oh yeah definitely just ask my husband yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, hopefully yeah hopefully my husband's not listening to this and and, and agreeing and nodding Uh, but yeah it does take a lot to to not project those feelings of of stress and overwhelm onto onto those people so Mm. uh, I definitely feel inspired by that I thought it was really interesting that Leanne said that she knew when she really suffered her burnout, she she felt the signs, but she was ignoring the smaller signs for mm. a long time. And it wasn't until it really hit her like a ton of bricks that she was forced to do something about it. Yes. Um, acupuncture, walking and allowing herself time to relax and even time to watch her own favourite programmes, which I can definitely relate to when she was saying that she thought that that was a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, (laughs) a complete waste of time. Yeah, so definitely. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a severe case of like toxic productivity where I'm like, I need to be doing something. (laughs) Like I cannot be sat here watching Mm -hmm. Louis Theroux or whatever it is. I know, I think... That's it. Like sometimes I used to think that that was a waste of a day yeah. if you weren't like constantly doing something. Mm. But actually, there's some real joy to have just for yourself. Or um, sometimes I I would be like watching something on TV and like, oh yeah, let's watch a film as a family. And then I'd be on my phone like doing the the food shop or something <laughs> like that, or you know buying something that kids needed or whatever. And it's like. Actually, I'm not just relaxing watching the film because my, my mind's mm. elsewhere. Yeah, because yeah, like you check out and then yeah. the kids would probably lose interest. Yeah, or I'd even do it just even if I was on my own and, you know, the kids were in bed and I'd think, oh, I'll watch Made in Chelsea or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. No shame. No shame in that. <laughs> or Real Housewives, one of the Real Housewives franchises. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Reality TV for staying calm and completely switching off yeah yeah switching off but yeah I think like what you're saying Laura is that you can't even allow yourself like that that pocket of joy you Mm. have to be doing something that's like on your to-do list whilst you're whilst you're doing that to make it worthwhile and it's not just us that feel this way our lovely listeners have been in touch to tell us how they stay calm and clear their minds when they're feeling triggered so we've actually heard from someone uh, over in Amsterdam Laura a lovely listener she has said she likes to go for a walk or a run around the city, uh, followed by a takeaway coffee on the way home. Um, it's her way to shake off stress from the day and find some calm. Thank you, Laura. Sounds great. Actually, we had another um, listener, um, this time Ray from London, and uh, she said that um, her go-to stress buster is uh, shaking it off as well by uh, <laughs> 
singing and dancing to her favourite music. Um, and she says that stress tends to make her emotions spiral downward and she quickly feels drained. But getting back into my body and in a playful way helps me feel really energised and gives me a fresh and lighter perspective. I completely agree with yeah. that. It's so yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes just physically shaking it out of your body can make a big difference to, to getting it out. For sure. And we've got one more here from Rachel in Scotland. And she says, it sounds silly, but remembering to breathe can be such a simple act of self-care when I'm feeling stressed. If I'm feeling frazzled, I notice I've gone a while without taking a breath. So a few deep inhales and exhales can work wonders. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially especially when we're on deadline. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those back-to-back -back yeah. deadlines. <laughs> yeah, I'd like Giovanna said, you need to breathe and you need to walk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's been brilliant chatting with you both today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Danny and Laura, and of course to our vulnerable and inspirational guest, Liam Perro. Most important of all, though, thanks so much to you for listening. If this is the first time you've joined us, there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe and download. But if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walks to wellbeing. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing and you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guest chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.